Let me add my warm welcome to you this morning. Uh, it's great to be together again, worshipping. It's always good to be worshipping. Um, and for those who are online this morning uh, and uh, those who are new this morning, we're going through a little series here. Well, actually, it's quite an extended series on the life of Christ going all the way through to Pentecost next year. So that's quite a longer series. Uh, but we're just really focusing this first few weeks, uh, kind of connecting in with Advent and looking at some of the stories prior to Jesus' Jesus' birth. So last week, Paul talked about the uh, angels and the encounter with Mary. This week, it's my pleasure um, to talk about Mary's song. Um, but, oh, am I in the middle of that picture up there? All right. Um, all righty. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Um, but really, to get into the story, uh, we, we need to kind of pick up on the little bit before it as well uh, with Elizabeth, because it's really important to the whole thing that's going on here. So if you've got a Bible with you there, uh, or you've got it on your phone, you might want to read along with me and, and have a look at this. Uh, it's quite a long passage, uh, but it's Christmas, so let's just hang in there. All righty. Let's have a look at this. Uh, so it's from Luke's Gospel, and it's chapter 1, obviously, And starting at verse 39, where it says this. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to the town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfil his promise to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who who fear him. From generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and to his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Now, the first thing I want to ask you is, What's the, at the first part of that, the, before we get to his name is holy, um, what's the first part of the, the major emotion you kind of get from this story between Elizabeth and Mary? What's the main emotion that's kind of bubbling up here? And then at the end of it, we're getting a description, an extended description of why God's name is holy. What's the, what's the uh, emotion? Yeah, yeah, there's a sense of expectation there. Joy. Joy. I'm glad a few people said joy because that's what I picked. (laughs) Um, Now, there is this whole sense of expectation, excitement, joy. It's all kind of bubbling up in this story, 
Right? And you can see it when you start to slow down and look at the way Luke has deliberately put these little things in um, the story. So you get there at, from verse 39, and Mary got ready and hurried. There's a sense of excitement where I've got to get to this place. Something great is going on. And then the baby leaps in the womb, and Mary, uh, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. The sense of excitement, something special is taking place. The joy is just bubbling up. And then Elizabeth saying, blessed are you among women. Blessed are you, is your child. I'm so favoured. Blessed are the baby leapt for joy. And blessed is she who has believed this promise. So you get all this sense of uh, joy and expectation, blessing coming to people. Mary goes on to say, my soul glorifies God. My spirit rejoices. Uh, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. And great things God has done for me. And so you can kind of see when you slow down a little bit that Luke has deliberately put all these little pieces in to kind of give us this sense of great joy, great expectation. Now, I want to talk about that this morning. Why is there so much joy going on in this little passage? Why does Luke want us to take note of that? And there's a few things going on uh, in this passage. The first one is really simple, um, and it's on this human level. Now, most of us get this intuitively, but I just want to make it explicit because I'm not a super Christmassy person, right? <laughs> um, I know you find that hard to believe. Um, but I'm not that because I kind of feel a little bit like it's been commercialized so much, and so much of what you see around the place is actually just off the center of what Christmas is all about. But I'm not a real Christmassy person. But the problem with that is it steals the joy God has for me. And I want to say something about that this morning, about reclaiming, for me personally and others who find that as well, the joy that is supposed to be um, for us as we're coming up to Christmas in this expectation, this Advent season. So the first one is, very simply, the whole thing of the joy of pregnancy. The joy of these women coming together, both of them with miraculous births, miraculous conceptions. In that sense, and they're coming together, and there's this great joy between them, expecting what to, you know for their future expectations about what these special children um, they are going they are going to conceive is going to be, what is going to come of them, and you know intuitively about that, right? When people are mothers are pregnant, there's this sense of oh wow, how exciting! I wonder what the child's going to be like in the future, and how much joy that will bring to the person's life, and and children do bring joy, right? Now, I can see a few people going, mm, yeah, maybe. Um, no, they do, right? I was sitting down the front here, and there was these two boys. They're obviously brothers. Um, one might have been five or six, and the other one about four. And they just got their arms around each other. And they're just leaning in on each other, hugging each other. And then the little one gave the other one a little kiss on the cheek. A little kiss. Oh, it was so cute. Um, they think, and I'm just I'm sitting there getting this sense of joy just watching these children. Um, pure innocence and loving each other uh, as brothers. That was just great. But there's a sense, right, that there's something in this about Christmas and coming up to Christmas about having the joy of getting together with family. These two ladies coming together. They know each other. They're related. Coming together as families. The expectation of children. And so we can reclaim that for ourselves, that as we're going into Christmas, you know, the sense of when you're getting together as families to actually say, this is really something God wants for us. He wants us to have joy and choose that because it's easy to kind of get overwhelmed. And I think Steph said it earlier or um, Cara, Kiara might have said it. The thing about Christmas can sometimes make us feel a bit overwhelmed by all the things that we need to do and get ready. But don't let that steal your joy. 
that this coming together as families, there's something in that that God wants us to have uh, as we come into Christmas. So that's the first thing I want to say. When you're gathering, when you're seeing the children, even if you, know, even if you don't have any children of your own, or when you are at the shops or with your other people, have that vicarious joy, that sense of, like I had this morning, um, just the joy of seeing other people gathering together, if that's not your experience uh, personally. So that's the first thing. Let's just enjoy the fact that we can get together at families at Christmas and celebrate Christ's birth. Now, there's a second one um, that's actually more significant and deeper and a little less easy to see from the text. It's from, uh, you get Elizabeth saying, why am I so favoured? There's a sense of something is special going on for me here. And then Mary says, similarly, um, My spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Great things have happened for me, little old me. And there's this sense that there is great joy in being chosen by God for his mission. Doing something for building the kingdom. And for these two women, they're part, both part with uh, Elizabeth and uh, John being the one who makes the way. He's the one who proclaims in the wilderness that this king is coming. And so there's a sense where uh, Elizabeth is caught up in this as well as part of God's mission into the world. And then Mary um, getting caught up as being chosen. But what's really significant about what's going on here is it tells us something about the nature and character of God and the gospel. Now, I just want to explain that a little bit to you about why this is this sense of great joy for both these women. Now, firstly, if you think about uh, Mary. Now, she explicitly says it. The Lord uh, has been mindful of my humble state as a servant. Now, Mary knows that being a, a, a young woman from a provincial town, Nazareth, that has no political power, no economic power, no religious power, it, it's a kind of just a, a backwater place in the kingdom of Israel that no one really talks about. In actual fact, we get in the New Testament when they say about Jesus from Nazareth, one of the criticisms is, can anything good come from Nazareth? It's one of these places. And so Mary is this person that has no real social standing on that collective Israel uh, cultural setting, right? And yet God is choosing her, you know? It's one of those things. It's a great privilege and a great honour that God is choosing someone who nobody else would choose, who everyone else would overlook. And it's a great privilege and a joy to be chosen by God in this. You know, if you can imagine it a little bit like this. You know, has anyone here from Poowong? No, good. Well, you won't get offended. Um, all right. So that's the thing, you know. Would anyone expect anything great to come out of Poowong? You know, even the name itself puts you off a little bit, Right? And it's that kind of thing. But if you are a person who lives in Puwong, God can do great things for you. No, I'm serious about that. You know, because God chooses those who are willing to actually follow him. In fact, I'm going to say a little bit more about that in a minute. All right? And that's what Mary said. She said, I'm your servant. I'm willing to do this. And there's a great joy that comes from being part of God's mission in the world. Even if you think you're a nobody. Even if you think you're from some backward place, backwood, backward, backwater, no, some regional place. I better get that right. You know, um, in case you, I'm not picking on anyone from Puwong, right? Let, let's say we're in Queensland. I'd say, um, you know, if you were from Banana, um, now you might think, well, where is Banana? If someone said to you, where are you from, and you said, oh, I'm from Banana, they go, yeah, yeah, I'm from Orange, mate. Come on. Um, in Queensland, where? where 
where Ian and Kathy go, it's about an hour and a half. Uh, Banana is actually a real place in Queensland, by the way. <laughs> it's about an hour and a half northwest of Bundaberg. Um, anyway, the sense of it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're from a regional place or somewhere that nothing great comes out of that town. If you are willing to serve God, you can be used in the kingdom and for the mission. And that's great. That's something you can have great joy in as we're coming up to Christmas. And then the other thing with Elizabeth, I'll just, here we go. All right. Um, Elizabeth, again, this is a brilliant move. And um, what's going on here is incredible. All right. So Elizabeth and Mary both are the outsiders. Nobody would ever have chosen them. And yet God does. Now, obviously, Elizabeth is from the priestly class. Right? She's a, 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 a Levite. All right? And so is Zechariah. And they're, so they're kind of well-respected uh, in that sense. But they're from the hill country in Judea, which is kind of like outside the centre of power. They're not part of the ruling class families of Jerusalem, the Sanhedrin and the powerful economic families in that area. So in, in, in a lot of ways, they would have been seen as outsiders. And add to that, that Elizabeth wasn't able to have children in their cultural situation it would have created suspicion amongst the other priestly uh, class that is there some hidden sin that Zechariah and Elizabeth have got going on in their life? That's why they haven't been able to have children. That's why God hasn't blessed them. And so they would have been, even within what would have been seen as a fairly respectable group of people, they would have been seen as outsiders because Elizabeth hadn't been able to have children in that. And so here is God picking the very people nobody else would. And that's significant. I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a minute. But we can take, coming up to Christmas, the point of that is we can take great joy in that as well, right? I feel this all the time. Like, I'm a nobody. I come from nowhere. You know, I've never been part of anything great or significant. Um, I, I left school when I was 14. I could barely read and write. And yet God still reached out and grabbed me and said, I want to use you. And isn't that great? Yeah, look. It's for all of us, and we can take great joy in that. And I often think, you know, Lord, why? <laughs> this is such a privilege to serve. You know, why did you choose me for this? And yet, there's no real explanation for it, except that's what God does. He chooses those. Uh, in fact, there's a thing in the uh, Corinthians uh, where it talks about, though not many of you were wise, not many of you were of noble birth, but God chose you to humble those who are. And I'll come back to that in a minute. All right. So we can, coming up to Christmas, as you're thinking about Jesus' birth, he came to choose you. And you can take great joy in that. Reclaim it. Take it and choose it. Choose to be joyful as we go into the uh, Christmas season. Now, there's another one more I want to talk about. And this is the most significant. That's why I've left it to last. All right. And this is actually this whole thing that's going on in the book of Luke and uh, the book of Acts. Right? This whole thing of promise and fulfillment. Now, this is incredibly important to what's going on for Mary and Elizabeth and for the whole story. Right? You get this whole thing of here is the promised Messiah actually coming into the world. Everybody's been waiting for this. That somebody called out before that expectation. And that's why there's this great joy. So you get this. Um, the promised Messiah is arriving. So we get there from uh, Elizabeth. She says, why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord? Now, that's an incredible statement. The mother of my Lord. She knows that the baby that Mary is carrying is the Messiah and the fulfilment of the promise that started way back in Genesis. 
And it's been going on and on and emerging and different prophets are talking about it. And the, the, um, leading up the last 70 years culturally within Israel, um, there's been many people talking about an actual Messiah, a few false ones. And now, finally, this is it. And there is great joy at the fulfillment of this promise. And we get this, I'll have to dip back into what Paul was talking about last week because this kind of confirms it again. Now, obviously, it's the angel Gabriel who's giving this. Now, you've got to understand too, again, culturally in the sense, if an angel is giving a testimony of something, there is no more qualified, no more certain testimony than what you're about to hear. Because angels do not lie and do not make stuff up. At least the ones who are sent by God. We'll talk about the other angels another time, the, the fallen angels, but not today. All right, so the testimony of Gabriel is 100% certain. And what does he say? He says, you will call him Jesus, which means God saves right there. And then it says, he will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. He will be given the throne of the, his father, David. And it will what? It will go on forever and have no end. This sense now that this is the Messiah who's been promised. This king who is coming, whose kingdom will never end, is coming into the world. And verse 37, no word from God will ever fail. And that's Gabriel saying that. You can 100% guarantee that this is going to come to pass. And this promise is going to be fulfilled. And it's more than just that. It's more than just that the promise is being fulfilled and everybody's getting excited about that. It's what that promise actually means. It's what that promise actually does in the world. And this is a bit I wanted to focus on. Look at this. This is why is God's name holy? What is special about God in this? From verse 50, when Mary actually gives this description. Luke could have cut this out, right? Luke didn't have to put this piece in. But he chose to put it there. Actually, let me just step back a bit. Um, There's another thing going on here, which I haven't got time to explain, all right? Going all the way back to Samuel and Hannah and uh, the promise of Samuel coming as the prophet, all right? It goes all the way back to that. But what's actually... Luke could have skipped all that. He didn't need to do that, but it's important. Um, But what does he do when he does this, all right? What do we see? This is why this promised Messiah is so important. From verse 50... His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. What has been the previous issue? You had to be within a certain frame to get into the kingdom of God. You had to be born a Jew or convert to being a Jew and following all the laws. And what it's saying, this promised Messiah is opening it up. It's open to all. Anyone can come in. Everyone is invited even those you would overlook culturally in their day. That's because God is choosing Mary and Elizabeth as examples right at the very start and Joseph. God chooses those others would overlook. It's open to all. That's why this is different. This is why this promise is so amazing and so incredible and so important because everybody is invited in. Everyone can be part of it. If they will fear the Lord. Now, that fear is obviously not scared of and shaking, going, oh, don't come near me, God. Um, it's not that. It's that sense of awe and wonder and reverence and um, deferring to God and submitting to God. Anyone, everyone is welcome if they will defer and submit to Christ. doesn't matter where you're from, what your family is, what your background is, what you've done in the past. It's open to all who will come 
and repent and follow Christ. Then the next one. He has promised to perform, sorry, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. This king is coming. He's going to defeat the oppressive. He's coming to actually scatter them out of the way. Because that whole idea of someone who, in their innermost thoughts who is proud essentially thinks they're better than you. They actually really believe and think they are better than you. And that's what allows them to oppress people and to use and abuse people. Because they think they're justified. Because you're only rubbish and they're of great worth. So they can treat you that way. But Jesus is coming to get rid of that. That there isn't a hierarchy of worth. Those who are proud in their innermost being will be scattered in the kingdom of God. Because there's no place for that. We are all equal before God. What does Romans tell us? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There isn't a special class of person. We are all the same before God. And he will scatter those who have that innermost pride. And that makes a difference. That changes the way people treat each other. Then we go to this one. Um, He brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. Again, he will bring justice. Because what's the experience of all of those who are in the kingdom of Israel at that time? The kings looked after their own, their own families, their own tribes, their own people who protected them. And if you were outside that, then justice wasn't coming your way. You were treated terribly. And so this king who's coming is going to transform that. He is going to get the proud and the the rulers and lower them and raise up those who are humble. Justice for all. Equity for all in the kingdom of God. And then that last bit there. Um, He has filled the hungry with good things but sent the rich away empty. He will bring compassion. Christ came to actually minister to those everybody else was ignoring. That's sense what we get from Luke. We're going to get from Luke a little bit later. He's come to heal the sick. He's come to uh, give sight to the blind. He's come to proclaim the good news to the poor. That God is coming to bring justice and to bring compassion into the world. That changes things. That makes a difference. And so as we're coming up to Christmas, as we're thinking about the incarnation of Christ and the birth of Christ, the reason we can have great joy is there is hope in that for a transformed world. Because when you look around the world, right, when, wherever people submit to Christ and follow his ways, whenever they attempt to live and think and do the things that Jesus do, do, do the things Jesus does, people's lives change. Things become materially better for others around them. God is transforming the world. Little bit by little bit by little bit when we actually follow Christ. And it does make a difference. It does transform the world. And that's what I want to encourage you with as we're coming into Christmas. We can all be that. You don't have to be a special type of person to bring transformation into the world. Just by being a more joyful person, you can change the dynamic and change the world around you. Have you ever been around people who are super joyful? Yeah, it's infectious, right? It starts to catch on. You start feeling like, oh, yeah, okay, things aren't that bad after all. Um, And you can be that person as we're coming up to Christmas. You can be that person who's changing the world around you by actually reclaiming this joy. Joy for when we meet as families and as you see other people meeting as families, 
Reclaim that joy. Be excited. Let your emotions bubble up with joy. Don't hold them down, as some more stoic of us try to do. Let it bubble up and join in the joy. Say something. You know, like these two kids, I, I should have leaned over and said, that's just gorgeous. You two, you're just amazing. But, you know, like the world of child safe, I just had to be really careful. I couldn't touch anyone, you know. Um, it's a really sad, really. Um, but I could have said that to his parents. I don't know who those two kids' parents are. And then you add a bit of joy to their world. You can do that when you're with people. If you see somebody who's having a great time at the park, just say, hey, it's great to see you having so much fun with your family. Just add a bit of joy. You can do that. We can all do that and make the world a better place. Then this whole thing of claiming again, reclaiming this whole sense of God has chosen each one of us. You don't have to be somebody special. God has chosen you to be part of the mission. Go forth and be my witnesses, he said to those disciples, and that carries on to us today. We can be part of that mission, and there's great joy in that, if you're willing to kind of serve and be part of it. And then the last thing there, reclaim that hope of joy. Sorry, the joy of hope as we come into Christmas, that God is transforming the world, one person at a time, as they come to faith. Now, there's a lot of tragedy in the world. There's no denying that. But we can reclaim some of the joy when we see good things going on around us and be thankful for that and add to that that hope that the world can be a better place. Can I encourage you with that as we're going into Christmas, as we're thinking about the birth of Christ and the incarnation, to reclaim the joy that God is offering us here this morning. All right, let me pray. Father, I thank you again for this passage. I thank you again for Luke and the way you've inspired him to write this uh, and for Mary and Elizabeth and their great joy in gathering together and their expectation about the transformation of the world through this baby Jesus. Yeah, what a great thing that is. And so we thank you again this morning that we can be part of that and that you've chosen each one of us to actually be part of building your kingdom and part of the mission. And we want to thank you again for that this morning. And Father, I pray for everybody here that by your spirit, that you will fill them with that sense of joy as we come up to this uh, sacred day of Jesus' birth. And we thank you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen.